Air Force? Morning, Father. Thank you so much for a new day, Lord Jesus. Father God, we pray that today you will speak to us, Father God, that we will be attentive to the leading of the Holy Spirit, Father God. I pray that your word penetrate our heart, soul, and mind, Father God, and that we will be changed forever, Father, that we will continue to be your hand and feet in this world, Father God. So we thank you, Father, for this day. Help us to to, to walk habitually in the spirit, Father God, so that we will not glorify the desire of our flesh, Father. So, Lord Jesus, we, we glorify your name. We magnify your name, Father God. Help us, Holy Spirit, to to follow you every single day. We love you, Jesus. Give us wisdom and discernment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
Father, I thank you, Lord God, for that truth. That Jesus, you are alive. I thank you, Father, for the call of a disciple. Pray, God, that you would open our eyes. The harvest is ripe, Lord, but the laborers are few. So, God, I pray to the Lord of the harvest to raise up laborers, God. Forgive us, Father, for being so consumed with our own lives. Held back by our own insecurities and lusts. Forgive us, O oh God, for just going to church and not being the church. eyes to see, O oh God, and ears to hear, Lord. The urgency of the hour and the cry of our generation, Lord. People are perishing. We go into hell. While we idly sit by. Simple obedience changes history. You are victorious, God. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are the great I am. And Father, you have called out your people. brought us out of darkness, God, and into your marvelous light. You've called us as your ambassadors, God. You've commissioned us to go. Find us faithful, Lord, I pray. Let us hear at the end of our lives, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into your rest, Lord Jesus. So as we open your word today, my God, I pray, Lord, that we would be encouraged, God, that we would be strengthened, Lord. God, that we would feel if needed, conviction led to repentance, Father. So that we as you would be about our Father's business. 
each day while there is breath in our bodies. We would do your will, Father, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Morning to everyone. First Corinthians chapter 6 is where we're heading. We'll get back to our walking through the Bible next week. But this, today I want to share some scriptures with us in hopes to encourage us. So 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we're going to be looking at verses 9 through 11. <clears throat> My heart over the past couple of weeks has been really burdened. For the harvest, and this really just hasn't been the past couple of weeks, it's been many years, but really has been inflamed, if you would, over these past couple of weeks. When I think about the harvest, when I think about when Jesus says that the harvest is ripe, pray to the Lord of the harvest for laborers. The laborers are few, and we spent a couple Fridays ago a time just in prayer, focused prayer just on that. There is a need in this generation, you all, for the church to be the church. There is such a need. To really live like Jesus. Like, do we really understand the fact that he is alive? That he's just not a figment of someone's imagination. He's just not this this source of power, if you would, you know, but that Jesus, God's Son, is alive. Like, He came because of God's love to this earth to set us free from sin and death. He, he took on our punishment so that we could live. And not just in this temporalness of life, but for eternity. Like Jesus, you all. Jesus himself said, you can do nothing apart from me. That we are to abide in him. Like when we come to him, we forsake everything else. We let go of everything else. We see our need for him. And we willingly lay our lives down. And receive the free gift of salvation. His grace that empowers us and transforms us into these new creations. Are you new? Are you new? Weeks ago, I stood here and encouraged us through the letters that have been written to the church that God has nothing to do with darkness. If you're still walking in darkness, you're not of God. That's the word of God. We're not to have anything to do with it. We're to be people who are maintaining, especially within the church, the unity of the brethren so that the false teachings don't creep in. That we just don't let sin just run rampant in our lives because we know the price that has been paid 
Has it been running rampant in your life this week? Because sin is not to have dominion over you. Not as a Christian. Not as a Christian. You can give it the right to, but do you realize by doing so, what you're doing to Jesus? The price that has been paid? The very one who came to set the captives free. Like, we've got to get serious, you all. The reason why God is pleased to reveal himself to us through his son, Jesus. He redeems us. He saves us. He transforms us. We're growing. We're maturing. Again, it's not about this perfect life, but it is a life about maturing. It's a life that's growing up in Christ because there's work to be done. There's a harvest. Like we have to be about his kingdom and his glory. It's not about your life any longer. It's not about your insecurities. It's not about this. It's not about that. No, it's all about him now. And the more you know him, the more you love him, the more that you understand the ways of God, you can't help but go. Each and every single day out where you are at and be his hands and feet. We had an awesome opportunity on Friday night to go and, and just pray through the city. And just to see the brokenness within the city. Just to see the lives that are wandering aimlessly, lost, heading towards destruction. Heading towards destruction. Lifestyles are being, you know, paraded around. And no matter what the lifestyles are, sin is running amok. We know that our battles and our fights are not with flesh and blood. It's not with the people, but it is with rulers and principalities. But if we're not strengthened in Christ, Walking in the Spirit? Living differently? Then what authority can you take? Because in and of yourself, you have no authority. There's two guys on the street with all those bars downtown. People in and out of the bars. Two guys on the street with a message of hope. Declaring the good news. Two young guys. I said, Lord. How many people are going to walk by them tonight? How many people will hear the good news? And not accept you. They will be mocked. They will be laughed at. They may be spit upon, but you've placed them there in the midst of darkness. But what the people want is they want to eat, they want to drink, they want to be merry. They want to have it all. 
Don't interrupt my life, God. And a lot of them are not only just lost, but they're people who think they're saved. Walking by those men, entering to the, those dark places. And they won't feel a bit of conviction. Because they're just as lost as those who aren't going to church or thinking whatever. Somehow we have a generation of people who think that they're saved and they're not. That's what's being preached out there. Come on, come all. And stay as you are and enter into his kingdom. But as we're going through the Bible, we don't see that in his holy word. We don't see it. In fact, I'm doing my own personal study through the prophets. And these men were raised up to go to God's people and tell them, turn back to me. Stop doing what you're doing. Stop attending your festivals. Stop doing all this stuff, gathering in my name, and not even have me among you. Like, this is what I'm about to do to you all. And the people still didn't care. They didn't care. Like I'm in the book of Jeremiah, and God said, Jeremiah, and he tells them, tell him, tells him to tell them this. <laughs> You're worshiping idols, you're doing this, you're doing that. And he's speaking to the women. And then the women's reply to Jeremiah was like, well, do you think we're doing this all by ourselves? Our husbands are doing it with us. And we don't care what you say. You're not speaking for God. And they're just demanding their own ways, their own rights. And I go, God. And yet it's no different today. It's no different today. People are demanding their own rights. I don't have to change. I'm okay with God. I'm okay with Jesus. <laughs> and they make their walk in Christ all about themselves. And they're not even walking with Christ. They have a false sense of security leading them to destruction. <clears throat> And people say, well, where's the good news in that? The good news is, is Jesus, you all. Jesus, that's the hope we have. The message of the cross. This message of love. Like, this is love. That a man will lay down his life for his friends. This is love, Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave. This is love. And yet love is being perverted and distorted and celebrated. And it's not even love. Like we're living in an age, you all, where conservative Christian values are looked upon as hate speech. In fact, there's a group that our president spoke with on Friday night the American Family Council, a ministry that is focused on the family and holding up Christian values, and our government 
has labeled this group as a hate group. All through the news on Friday, all on social media, President Trump speaking to a hate group. I said, what hate group would he be speaking? I had to click on it. And when I saw what it was, I said, dear God, God have mercy. What keeps you all from sharing the gospel? What keeps you from living a Christian life? You come to church. You'll throw his name around here and there. You'll talk about how he blesses you. But what keeps us? Do you realize what's ahead of us? What we're called to? Do you realize there's people dying all around us? Do you realize the tragedies and, and, the, and, the, and the chaos that's taking place? The lives that are lost? If I hear another sad story about the fires in California, if I hear another sad story about Puerto Rico, lives that are just in turmoil, the hurricanes, everything. At any moment's notice, our lives can be turned upside down. What hope do we have if not in Christ? And so if our hope is in Christ, then what hope are we sharing with others? When's the last time you prayed for your family members, for your friends, and then just don't pray, but live the life before them? Stop making excuses for everything that you're doing. Just live right. Because as we're going through our series, that's the message. Live right. <laughs> I mean, even the book of Genesis tells us if you do what is right, will you not be rewarded? Sin crouches at your door. Its desire is to master you, but you must master it. All through Scripture, we are informed over and over and over, live right. In and of ourselves, as Christians, we know we can't. So that's why we need our Savior. That's why He came. That's why he says, I have to go away so that he will come, the Holy Spirit, who will empower us to do what is right. See, when the Word of God says that, you, that he's given us everything we need to live a godly life, then what is our excuse for not living a godly life? Because someone angered us today, or our insecurities flared up, or what? What keeps us from living it? It's our unbelief. It's our discrediting Christ. Like you didn't do enough. Because if you truly believe he did enough, if you truly believe he is who he says he is, he would, your life would be impacted with such truth that you can't help but to be transformed. And you can't help but have the need to tell others. You can't help but tell others, I can't go that way any longer. I can't go that way any longer. I can't keep doing what I've done. I can't keep going there. I can't keep doing this. I can't keep speaking that. I can't keep thinking this. I can't keep touching that. 
Because I know the price that was paid. I know the love that has been displayed to save us from that. Like who are you warning? Not just from your words, but from your life. Look at this scripture, you all. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. <laughs> those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or thieves or greedy people or drunkards or, or, or are abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. We know that. So why are we still partaking of it? <clears throat> Ask yourself, why are you still catering to your desires? Why are you still going about the ways you want to go? This is a letter to the church. And you say, but Rob, you preach this all the time. We hear it. We hear it. But how are we then? How are we responding to it? If the church back then continually needs to be reminded, it's all we have is letters. It's the same message over and over and over. Do right. Live right. Honor God. He is your God. He is your Lord. He is your Master. He is your Father. He is your Deliverer. He is your Hope. Like, do right. Live for God, be an example to others. And he's reminding the church here, if this is the way that you're living, if you continue to go this way, if this is what defines your life, you're not inheriting the kingdom of God. But here's the good news. Some of you, verse 11, were once like that. It doesn't say some of you still struggle with that. No, some of you were once like that. And I don't make light of people who are struggling in sin. I don't make light of that. But the reality is your struggle is caused by your unbelief. I can choose to struggle with sin if I so choose to. I can choose to go my way. I can choose to allow my mind and my desires to be flared up. But why, why would I? When Christ has done all to set me free. Why would I continue to choose the yoke of slavery when the yoke of freedom has been given? Why would you choose to continue to go your way when he has given you the option to go his way? Why would you choose to allow darkness to even define you just for a little bit? To fulfill some temporal pleasure when he has granted you eternity and complete joy and wholeness and healing. It says here, some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed, 
you were made holy, you were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. It's nothing that you've done. It's nothing that I've done. There's nothing I can do to make myself right with God. No, the only way I am made right with God is through Jesus Christ. He accepts me as, a, as, a, as one who is in rebellion towards him. He loved me, yet though I was in complete rebellion towards him, I've sinned and everything defined me, and yet he accepts me and he loves me. But in that acceptance and in that love, he transforms me. He transforms you. But are you transformed? Do you know that you know that you know that if you took your last breath, sitting here, that you would be ushered into his presence and into his kingdom? What would he say to you when you stand before him? There's only two things. Either well done or depart from me. I don't know you, you worker of sin, you who are still enslaved to sin, you who keep continually rejecting me. I don't know you. Oh, but wait a minute. Doesn't God love all of us? Aren't we all going to heaven? No. That's why there's work to be done. We don't have a passion for the lost or, or, or hope for this generation because we think everyone is saved. We think everyone is okay. But they're not. Open your word. Why do you think Jesus came? Why do you think he even established a, a birth of the church? Why do you think? There's been people throughout generations declaring the good news of Jesus. What do you think? I read this testimony the other day. I don't know if he was a pastor or a missionary, but then either way, he goes into this closed country. And God uses him to establish a church among these people giving them hope that there is a Savior who loves them. Turn from your wicked ways and turn and look upon Jesus. The government gets wind of it. People's lives are changing. For the good, you all, they're becoming productive citizens. They're living righteously. And that angers the government. Because the credit that they give to their lives being changed is Jesus. And so instead of targeting this missionary pastor, they start dragging in the congregants and the people who have given their life to Jesus in front of him. And they brutally torture and, and, and do horrible things to men, women, and children. And they tell this man, stop 
is preaching. They try, they try to provoke fear among the people who are meeting with him secretively so they can hear more about Jesus. He's preaching to them about maintaining hope even in the midst of this persecution. I can't even imagine them forcing me down to my knees, dragging you all in front of me, telling me to stop preaching about Jesus, and they brutally hurt you, beat you, cut your limbs off. I have to watch you just reek in pain and say, no, I'm not going to stop. going on you all like people are giving up their lives for the gospel people are seeing the urgency of the hour and saying all I have is Jesus all I have for you is Jesus you need to know Jesus you need to know the one who came to to lay his life down for you the salvation that is in Christ Jesus the hope that you have in Jesus Think about your week, you all. And again, it's not about burdening you with shame and guilt and, oh, I'm just not a good Christian. Because if you're thinking that way, you're only looking at yourself. Get your eyes off yourself. All right, so you weren't a Christian this week. <laughs> then just repent. Turn to God. God, help me with my unbelief. God, strengthen me in this hour to do your will. But God, in and of myself, I won't. He knows what is needed within each one of us if we would just turn to him and let him be God over us and God within us. Like some of us were once, but we've been washed clean. Go to Galatians 5. Verse 13. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. We've talked about this scripture before. But are we getting it? Like, I'm really hoping you take these scriptures that we're hearing today and you just go and you sit with them. You sit with Him. You allow the Holy Spirit to bring conviction to your heart and to your lives. That you allow them to equip you and to build you up so that you can go out. Look at what it says there. If you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, I'm sorry, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. No, in Christ now, you are to be using your freedom to serve one another in love. 
We don't hate sinners. We haven't forgotten who we were before Christ. Like, there has to be a shift, you all. You once were darkness, but now you're light. You can't be, oh, I'm in the middle. I still have a little bit of darkness in me. No, you don't. You have been transformed. You are a new creation. So learn to walk in that nature. You still see that you are still of the darkness because you are refusing to walk in the light. It's a choice. Every moment, every second, every hour of your day, whom are you serving? You or him? I choose this way. You choose his way, know it's going to beat up against you. Your flesh is going to scream at you. The enemy is going to scream at you. The world is going to try to define you. But you must resist and you must go his way. No, I believe in you, God. I trust the fact that you are God, Lord of all, that you're doing a new thing in me. I may not fully have it all together, but what I do know, as I've been engrafted into your kingdom. I, I'm a partaker of your divine nature. I can walk in the light. Like when's the last time that you chose to walk in the newness of life, the wholeness of life? Because in Christ, you're whole. Your, your past doesn't define you. Your brokenness, all of that junk that has tried to define you, to drag you to destruction, doesn't define you any longer. No, it's Christ. It's Jesus. I can look at my failures. I can look at all the junk and the filth and everything, but none of that compares to his bright, beautiful face, the glorious vision of my Savior. Like you came for me? Like you came for me? There's nothing good in me. But yet, he loves me. And so we go out. People are not going to understand. <clears throat> but is your transformation showing? Are people seeing a difference? They should be. And if they're not, then you really need to get on your face and say, God, help me. Because I want to live for you. You just don't want to be one whom the Bible warns us to have nothing to do with. Those who hold a form godliness but deny his power to transform them like he takes it very serious you all don't use your freedom to satisfy your own sinful nature no use it now you're free to serve one another in love how's your service whom have you served this week 
gentleness and humility, with love. Because you give what you receive. See, what Christ gives us, we freely give others. We can't help. We're giddy about it. Like, what you receive, you freely give. And if you're not receiving from Him, then you're only going to give what you're receiving from the filth. What you take in is what you get out. And we're to be free people. Go to Galatians 5. We're right there, verse 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. You've got to grow up in this. Like before Christ, your life that you lived, you grew up in it. These are learned behaviors. These are desires that are from within. This is the sinful nature that all of us were born into. We were born into sin. So we crave it. Our selfishness, our own desires, what pleases me, myself, and I. That's all we know how to live. But Christ, God is pleased to reveal himself to us through Jesus. Here is my son. This is the provision. I have made for you to be restored back to me. Like his purpose, as we're studying, is to have a people that he will call his own and in return they will call him their God. That they will live for him. That they will love the Lord their God with all of their heart, with all of their soul, with all of their mind, with all of their body, with all of their strength. Are you loving God? Are you loving God? Because if you walk in the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. It's not what other people have done. It's not this, it's that. No, it's you. You're choosing to go. But if you walk in the Spirit, if you put in the investment of choosing every hour of every second of every day to walk with Him, to abide in Him, to get to know him and to get to know yourself in Christ. Who am I now? How am I to live? God, I hunger for this. I thirst for this, for righteousness. I've humbled myself before you. I'm submitting myself to you. I'm resisting the enemy. I know he has to flee. I know I have the victory that is in Christ. That's why it's vital that you're discipled. That's why it's vital that you're part of fellowship. And you're learning how to use your giftings among Christians. Building the church. Instead of tearing it down by your mouth. Attacking everyone in the fellowship. And allowing others to attack it. And just idly sitting by. No, the church, we need to wake up. We need to wake up. Listen to what it says here. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. 
these two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Holy by the Spirit, you are not under obligations to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual morality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, um, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, enviness, I mean envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Not inheriting the kingdom of God. Keep going your way. Keep living how you want. Let these, your old nature, keep defining yourself. No matter how religious you want to pretend, no matter how good it makes you feel to be around church, no matter what you conjure up to believe, if you're not in Christ, you're not saved. You're not to continue to go the ways of the wicked. And you say, well, no, 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 I don't believe that. Because God understands my weakness. That's such foolishness. Because do you not hear God's word? This is God's standard. This isn't man's. This is God's standard. Like he, Jesus came and he accomplished what he came to do. You can be freed from that old man, from that old woman. You can be free. True freedom. Genuine freedom. Not a put on. Not doing religious works. But free just to live. Even in your failures. Freedom. Even in the times that you choose to go your way. When you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It's like, oh, it's that freedom to run back. To your daddy. You may have to suffer the consequences of your actions, but you can still have the hope that you can return. Like he's constantly pleading with us, stop going your way. Come to me. Come to me. Live for me. But the little weird games that we play, if we just choose to keep going our way, and then we just, okay, Daddy, and we just choose to keep going our way, and it's not genuine. It's just religious. It's just religion. It's just a religious heart, because you really don't mean it, because tomorrow you're going to be right back there. He knows our hearts. That's why when he looked at the people who walked away from them, walked away from him, he didn't weep over them. He knew their hearts. They were never for him. But he looked at the 12. Are you going to? Where do we go? What's there to go back to, God? You hold the words to eternal life. And these men messed up constantly. But they were for Jesus. Now, of course, one of them wasn't. But the others, oh, they were. And God used them mightily. And he empowered them with the Holy Spirit to go forth and preach the good news. And then the church is growing. People are empowered to live different lives, you all.
there's anything that we hear today that you take away, I want you to, to really ask yourself, are you different? I keep thinking of these women in India and the trash dumps. Missionaries go in and proclaim the good news. These women come to Jesus. For years, these women have had no identity. They're the lowest of the low. They're treated such, so horribly. And yet, they come to Christ, and in their little trash dump, they begin to treat it like a palace. They're sweeping out in front of it. They begin to be idled and picking up things and cleaning up, and people are taking notice. And these broken, discarded women are leading people to Jesus, you all, because their lives have changed. Their heart has changed. Their circumstances hasn't. They will probably die there in that dump. They're not looking for their circumstances to change because they've already changed. If nothing else changes, they're content and satisfied with Jesus. And because I'm satisfied, I'm going to start living my life differently. I'm not going to sit like the other women who don't know Jesus, who just murmur and complain and sit and do nothing. No, I'm going to start living before them and letting them see that I am changed. I am healed. And there's a way to live. I hear these stories and I go, God, that challenges me. Does it challenge you? Like we're all waiting for our circumstances to change and I'm just as guilty. God, this is just things. This is this. And you just start listing all the stuff. Everything that hinders you. And God says, you think that's bigger than me? No, just start being different. Oh, but God, they're going to see this. They're going to just start being different. Live like you've been transformed. Walk in the Spirit. Look, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. In every part of our lives. He gave himself, you give yourself. Every part. Don't hide. Don't struggle with secret sin. And don't pull away from fellowship because you've done wrong. Don't make it about you anymore. Because when you come to Christ, you die to yourself. You're alive in Christ now. There is a way in which we are to live. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. That's where my old man's at. Mm -hmm. Now, if I want to drag myself back to the cross and try to put him on, oh, I could. Because we just read that the flesh and the spirit, they war inside of us. 
but greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. You don't have to go the ways of the flesh. You just choose to. What are you choosing, you all? Go to Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Philippians 1, verse 27. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. And put that scripture in front of you this week. Keep it in front of you. Let it challenge you. Like, I want to be more like Jesus. I want to be more like Jesus. I want to know more. I want to sit down. I want to get in the depth of Christ. I want to get in His Word. I hunger for it. I thirst for it. I'm so blessed to have Doreen among us. Because her hunger for God is nothing like I've seen in a long time. You're a blessed woman, Doreen. Her hunger for God's word. I've had many people stand in front of me and tell me, oh, God does this and this and this and that, and their lives don't even back it up. I'm not even impressed. But when she comes down after being in God's word, especially when she gets it one-on-one with Norma, like her countenance, everything about her is radiating. And that's not a put on. That's not a show. She's not speaking to millions. She's not, you know, writing literature. She's not doing anything to try to impress man. She's humbled. And she has a hunger to know more of God. I love it when I hear her tell me, like, oh, I just found this treasure in God's word. And she's sincere about it. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm calling you out during because I want you to know how treasured you are among us. Like when I hear her ask, how should I do this now? How should I respond in this? Like I go, wow, that's beautiful, man. And then I remember years ago when I was ready to throw my hands up and say, God, I don't want to do this anymore. I go, what about Doreen? She wasn't even living here. She was in New York. (laughs) And God used her to keep that fan, fanning the flame within me. When everything else around me was dead and dying, God used her simple, youthful desire for Jesus to remind me if it's just her, Rob, serve her, love her. And I go, wow, 
Are you really hungering for him? Do you really have a desire to be different? Or is it just all talk? Is it all just a whatever? Because it's weird. <laughs> like a truth, I want to be different. Do you, do you say that? Like I want to be different. Like when I think today's my birthday and I think about everything I've gone through over these years and, and I think about my life, I just go, God, I want to be different. I didn't ask for you. I wasn't even searching for you. But you were searching for me. Like you revealed yourself to me. I didn't want it. But in that revelation, how could I deny it? Like we're not searching for him, but he's searching for each of you. And he's longing that you would return to him. He's longing that you would know him. He's longing that you would desire him. He's longing for us because there's work to be done. We must grow. Well, we must mature. We must seek Him. And we will find Him if we seek Him with our whole heart. Not just when we feel like it, but even in the moments that we don't. Like we're seeking Him. So above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Go to Colossians 3. Colossians 3, 1 through 17. Again, scripture we've heard before you all. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all of his glory. So put to death. The sinful earthly things lurking within you have nothing to do with sexual morality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. I know we like to, to, to not paint that picture for people. But the anger of God is coming, you all. The wrath of God is coming, you all. And we're told what the days would be like. No one knows the hour or the time, but we are specifically given to what we are to look out for. The wrath of God, you all, is coming. He's holding it back. Because his will is that none shall perish, but that everyone will come to know him. He's holding it back, but there's coming a day when he's going to have enough. Like I'm reading, and I know you hear it in the mornings. I'm reading, and, and I play uh, the prophets, and I'm listening to God's word to his people. 
And I know they say, well, that's God of the Old Testament. Well, then why does it say here in the New Testament that he's coming with his anger? That's the God of the Old Testament. We're living under His grace and mercy. And yes, we are, but His grace does not give us the license to keep sinning. His grace is the power to transform us, to live differently, to live as His people. Like when I sometimes I'm listening and I'm listening to the words that are coming from His mouth, from His prophets, and I go, oh God. I'll be honest, sometimes I go, oh, God. Like what he tells his people, I'm going to do to you. I'm going to take all of you out. You, your children, like what I'm about to turn you over to. I go, Jesus. And yet he's still a God of love. Wrap your head around that. Because we like to blame God. Well, I don't think he's a God of love if he'll do something like that. But he turned them over to what they wanted. Oh, you want that? Then let me tell you what's going to happen to you. But every time you see his wrath, you see his love. Because he always says, if you would just turn to me, I won't bring it upon you. Just turn to me. Be my people and let me be your God. Here we see, because of these sins running amok, because of the hearts of the men and women are growing even more evil. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. The Bible says that even the, the last days are going to be worse than the days of Noah. When I see perversion running amok, when I see the occult rising up, when I see destruction and mayhem, when I see you know murder and strife and anger and there's so much hatred, everyone is, div- the, the, the level of division that's going on in our land, the level of deception that is, ha- is among us, God wake us up. Why am I so passionate about it today? It's that God who wake us up. Do you not see? Do you not hear? Don't close your ears to it. Don't close your eyes to it. Don't pretend that, it, that it's not among us. It is among us. Every single day, there's a new level of hatred. Every single day, there's a new level of division. And people are falling prey to it. And the sad thing is, is the church is falling prey to it. God, help us. God, help us to desire him. Verse 7. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all of its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature. 
and be renewed as you learn, look at this, to know your Creator and become like Him. So put it off and put it on. I know we like to make excuses of why we don't live a Christian life, but the excuses will not stand with God. There is a way in which you are called to live. So put off the old nature and put on the new. As you learn more of Him, become more like Him. You're not to be lying. You're not to be involved in filthiness. You're not to act like the world. You're not to be catering to the things of your flesh. No, you're to be living by the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, trusting in God. Put on the new nature. Put on the new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slaved or free. Christ is all that matters, and He lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be holy people He loves, you must clothe yourself, look at this, with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Always be thankful. Rule within us. Let the message about Christ and all its riches fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom He gives. Sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. Everything you say, think about your words this week. Think about your attitude this week. The standard is the one that he has set. Because such a price was paid. Because of what Jesus gave. His own life. So that you can live, you all. That's what we're talking about. The wholeness. The living. And the freedom that Christ came to give us, not to be people who are bound by the temporalness of life, not to be people who are bound by the flesh, ha, 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 the flesh. No, bound to Christ, living in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, having a desire to see others free as you have been set free. Again, that's why we don't hate sinners. That's why we don't beat them down. They have a right to live however they want. You have a right to choose whichever way you want to go. Your choice will define your life. And in the end, what you choose is what you will receive. That's how much God loves you. He's not going to force you to love him. He's going to give you the opportunity to. You choose. But if you're basing your life on the temporalness of this world, on the day-to-day struggles, on the day-to-day desires, and you're just reacting, and you're so selfish, then your life is not marked by Christ. 
to be marked by Christ, you must obey Him. Remember those words in that song? Simple obedience changes history. Not only yours, but it will change the path of others. For eternity, you all. That's why I keep encouraging you. Are you more concerned about people's temporalness? Because we ought to be more concerned about their eternity. There's a lot of people who think they're saved, and they're not. They call themselves Christians, but they're not because they don't act like a Christian. You'll know who the true Christians are because you would see the fruit from their life. Sin will not be dominating them. doesn't mean that they won't sin. It just won't be dominating them. There's a way in which we are to live, you all. Colossians 4, verse 2. I love this verse. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. So many of us are exhausting ourselves in prayer and our prayers are going nowhere. We must be devoted to prayer. And look what it says there, with an alert, alert mind and a thankful heart. We must stop using God and Jesus as a genie, as some force that's just going to poof, take, things, take, take care of things for us. Though he will provide, though he will meet the needs of his people, though, yes, we do pray and we ask, but if prayer just becomes a game, do for me, 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 do for me. That's not God. No, your life now is to be doing for him. And in your obedience, he will provide for what you need. Remember those women in India who live in the trash dump? They may never, ever leave that place. But God's providing for them. They've given their life to him. They sweep their little porch that they've made. They rise up each day with a purpose. Some of us don't even rise up because we can't pay our bills and so there's no need to get up because we're too stressed and angry. Our relationships are in chaos. Our work is just so hard. Or whatever excuses we make. And I think about those women and I go, God, help me. Get up every day with a purpose, no matter what my circumstances look like, no matter what my health may be, no matter what my finances may be, no matter what may be pressing up against me. Help me get up with a purpose to advance your kingdom. Because those women get up for a purpose because they want those other women, millions of others, that are in the trash dump, that's where they live, those women now want those other women to know there's hope. There's hope. There's hope, you all. It is only in Christ. It's only in Christ. We're closing in 2 Thessalonians. I've been parked in 2 Thessalonians for the past couple of days. Chapter 2. 
verse 1, the whole chapter 1 through 17. And then we're going to read chapter 3, the whole chapter there, and then I'm finished. We talked earlier about the second coming of Christ. Jesus is returning. And he's coming back for those who belong to him. We heard when we read scripture earlier, it said, stop living this way. You know, these sins of the flesh, like that's why the wrath of God is coming to the earth. There is a way in which we're to live. It's through Christ that we don't have to endure his wrath. That's why I always say, why would you choose God's wrath over his love? When love has been displayed, when love has been poured out to you, when love himself calls you and beckons you, stop going that way. Why would we we choose his wrath when he freely gives his love? Well, because in that moment it feels good. In a moment, I need this. In a moment, I want to give myself to that. In this moment, I want to respond to you in this anger. What? No. There's a way in which we're to live now. There's a way in which we're to go. Are you living a transformed life? Because if you're not, then you're not marked of Christ. He's returning. And again, it's not about perfection. It's not about trying to be perfect so God can love you. You know, God loves you. But in his love for you, he gave his son. And his son laid his life down. He was crucified. He died. He was buried. He rose up on the third day. That's the hope that we have. He conquered sin and death. The forces that reside within you, those desires, that flesh nature has been defeated. I don't feel like it's defeated because it's there. No, it's been defeated, so stop choosing to go its way. Because remember, all the flesh knows to do is to die. And that's why it leads you to the things that drags you to death a lot quicker. Oh, it's going to feel good for a moment. It's going to look good and taste right for a moment, but in the end, it has conquered you. It has conquered you. But Jesus comes and says, no, death and sin no longer reign. I'm stripping it of its power. I'm not going to force you to love me. I'm just going to make it known to you what I've done for you. You choose to follow me. You choose to come my way, and I will give you myself. I'll give you the power through the Holy Spirit to live differently, to walk differently, to act differently in this earth. Among a wicked and perverse generation, you will walk upright. You will live differently. You will be the light unto the world. You will display the love of my kingdom. You will be my hands and my feet. Now go forth. There's work to be done. The hour is drawing near. I am returning for those who belong to me. And we want to play church. We want to talk about Jesus when he feels right to us, but we don't want to live for Jesus in front of our friends because what are they going to think? 
What do you mean I have to stop doing this? The problem is that mentality is, oh, I have to stop. Like God's taken away your fun. That's not fun. No, you freely give it up. That's why I said earlier, that's why you tell your friends, that's why you tell the people, no, I don't go that way anymore. I don't live that way anymore. When I think about the pictures I've seen at some of these a couple weeks ago at the poll, where the youth, it's a day for them to get outside of their school and to stand in front of the poll and to pray. And when I see some of the pictures where it's just one student standing there, Maybe there's a handful of students standing there. And there's some campuses and schools that have a good Christian fellowship, and so they're all there. But the pictures that stand out to me is the one or the few that are standing there. I say, God, give those students the endurance to stand strong because they've been made fun of. They're laughed at. But they showed up. Jesus, if I stand here by myself, I'll stand here and I'll pray for the ones who will bully me, for the ones who will laugh at me. I'll pray for them. I go, God, I'm telling you all, again, when I'm down, I'm driving around the other night praying. And I'm looking at everybody in and out of the bars. I'm running them up on the streets. And I, and I think about all the destruction that's happening all over the earth. And I go, God, let us be the light. We have the good news. We've heard the good news. Let us live out the good news. Let us be ones who will go. Listen to what Paul writes here. Now, dear brothers and sisters, let us clarify some things about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and how we will gather to meet him. Don't be easily shaken or alarmed by those who say that the day of the Lord has already begun. Don't believe them, even if they claim to have a spiritual vision, a revelation, or a letter supposedly from us. Don't be fooled by what they say. For that day will not come until there is a great rebellion against God and the man of lawlessness is revealed. Oh, there's going to come a day. Remember I said earlier, Jesus himself, while he was on this earth, he talked about what the days would look like leading up to his return. But here we're given a specific understanding that there is going to come one. This man of lawlessness. Don't be fooled by what they say, for that day will not come until there is a great rebellion against God and a man of lawlessness is revealed, the one who will bring destruction. He will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God and every object of worship. He will even sit in the temple of God, claiming that he himself is God. Don't you remember that I told you about all of this when I was with you? And you know what is holding him back, for he can be revealed only when this time comes. For this lawlessness is already at work secretly. 
and it will remain secret until the one who is holding it back steps out of the way. The man of lawlessness will be revealed. But here's the good news, you all. But the Lord Jesus will kill him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. This man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles to fool those on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. So God will cause them to be greatly deceived and they will believe these lies. Then they will be condemned for enjoying evil rather than believing the truth. God's love, you all. It's constantly being revealed to us. Day in and day out. When you read the book of Revelation, you realize that when all these events are hitting the earth, God is still revealing himself to people, and there will still be people on this earth that will say, you're not God. They enjoy their ways. And you say, well, I'm not like that. But I would ask you today, are you enjoying your flesh more than you are the things of God? Because that deception keep running amok. Are you catering to others who think they're on their way to heaven? Actually, they're not. And you're saying nothing because you're doing the very same things that they do. You say, but this is a hard message. And I say, no, actually, it's a very light message. Because you're hearing the good news. Yet one more time, God is giving you the opportunity to hear his word. These people would rather go their way and not the way of God. He says in verse 13, As for us, we can't help but thank God for you, dear brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord. We are always thankful that God chose you to be among the first to experience salvation, a salvation that, come, that came through the Spirit who makes you holy and through your belief in truth. He called you to salvation when we told you the good news. Now you can share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. With all these things in mind, dear brothers and sisters, stand firm and keep a strong grip on the teaching we passed on to you both in person and by letter. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal comfort and a wonderful hope, comfort you and strengthen you in every good thing you do and say. Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we ask you to pray for us. Pray that the Lord's message will spread rapidly and be honored wherever it goes, just as when it came to you. Pray, too, that we will be rescued from wicked and evil people, for not everyone is a believer. But the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. Such hope. And we are confident in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things we commanded you. May the Lord lead your hearts and to full understanding and expression of the love of God and the patient endurance that comes from Christ. 
And now, dear brothers and sisters, we give you this command in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Stay away from all believers who live idle lives and don't follow the tradition they received from us. For you know that you ought to imitate us. We were not idle when we were with you. We never accepted food from anyone without paying for it. We worked hard day and night so we would not be a burden to any of you. We certainly had the right to ask you to feed us, but we wanted to give you an example to follow. Even while we were with you, we gave you this command. Those unwilling to work will not get to eat. Yet we hear that some of you are living idle lives, refusing to work and, and meddling in other people's business. We command such people and urge them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and work to earn their own living. As for the rest of you, dear brothers and sisters, never get tired of doing good. Remember what I've been saying throughout? Do right. Do good. Keep living a faithful life unto Christ. Not, not in your own strength, but empowered by His Holy Spirit. To do what is right. To be an example. Take note of those who refuse to obey what we say in this letter. Stay away from them so that they will be ashamed. Wow. Don't think of them as enemies, but warn them as you would a brother and sister. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you his peace at all times and in every situation. The Lord be with you all. Here is my greeting in my own handwriting, Paul. I do this in all my letters to prove they are from me. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Jesus, you all. He is alive. God himself sits upon his throne. He has put in place this incredible love story that from the beginning when he created man and woman his desire was to have mankind belong to him. But love forced is not love. Like he gave them everything. They chose to go their way when the enemy approached them and flirted with their desires to be like God. God must be holding something back from you. So they gave in. And because of that, Every person from that day born was born into sin, was born in a nature that is in rebellion towards God. But even at that point, God said to the enemy, there's going to come one who's going to crush your head. You see, the cross in Jesus wasn't an afterthought. No, the cross was purposed even before the earth was formed. Because this love is going to be displayed throughout all creation. 
Why do you think the angels rejoice? Why do you think heaven has this huge celebration when people give their lives to Christ? Because love is being displayed throughout all creation. That everything that is against us, everything that will pull us away from this love, when it is revealed to us, we respond. And we go, we're not going our way any longer. We're going the ways of love. And heaven rejoices. Because true love is displayed by laying one's life down. And that's what Jesus did, you all. And since then, when he ascended into heaven, he poured out his Holy Spirit, the church was birthed. Men and women and children then drawn unto him, and they live different lives. They see that the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. I pray that we would be effective laborers, telling others about Jesus, and not just telling them, but living the newness of life, a transformed life. Not a perfect life, you all, but a transformed life. That you were once of darkness, but now you're of light. You once didn't desire the things of God. Oh, okay, here and there, I'll show up. Oh, okay, whatever. But now you have a desire to know Him. Like when I think of the time that I have been graciously given to walk with Him. him, to know him. And these years, I haven't lived a perfect life. But he's kept me. Even in times where I wanted to go away from him. Even in times of severe depression and wanting to end my life. Even in times where I just wanted to turn from him and go, I'm going to go back to the darkness. I'm going to go back to me. He's always been faithful to step in. He's faithful to his promises. He's faithful to his word. If you are redeemed, then live as such. Live as if you're free. Don't let your circumstances tell you not to. Live as such. Because Jesus himself said, in this world you will have trouble. Because you've got forces working against you. You've got the flesh. You've got the enemy. The rulers of the air of the darkness that you can't see. And you have the world trying to define you, to draw you out from his love. Trying to pervert what love is. Trying to give rights to yourself. When all along Jesus says, die to yourself. Pick up your cross and follow me. It's this way, you all. It's this way to eternity. But you can settle for the temporalness. But I don't know why you would when we have been given the right to call him Abba, to call him Daddy. I'm going to close this with this song, and then I'll close this in prayer. <laughs>